Today we are starting a new series called Running the Race. Running the Race. And so before I get going, I want to just pray. And today is going to kind of be an introduction to that series. Uh, towards the end of the sermon, I'm going to introduce the verse that the Lord put on my heart to really ki- uh, kick off this series. But I want to pray first and ask the Holy Spirit just to speak to us. This is what it's about. This is our vision. Know Jesus, hear his voice, and follow him. So we're going to ask, uh, just so, I mean, most of y'all know this, but some of y'all that don't, what we're going to do is just ask the Holy Spirit to prepare our hearts and minds to hear what he wants to say. Because how many of y'all know God wants to speak to you this morning? God wants to speak. He really does. I've been living for him for for a while, and um, I've been convinced more so over time that God desires a personal relationship with each of us. So let's bow our heads and prepare, let's prepare our hearts to hear from him. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for every person who is here. We just say that we're willing to hear from you, God. We're willing to hear what you are saying to us in this moment. So Father, God, we ask that you would just open our hearts to hear what you want to say to us specifically. God, we give you the glory and honor for everything you're going to be doing, everything you're going to be saying in our hearts this morning. We just love you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. How many of y'all know that you were created for passion? You were created to be passionate. Any, we got any cowboy fans in the house? Exhibit A. Stage right. You were created to be passionate. Now, what is passion? Just so we're on the same page. Passion, one definition, is any powerful or compelling emotion or feeling as love or hate. So passion can be described as a powerful or compelling emotion or feeling. You were created to pour out your emotion, your energy into different things and people. That's what you were created for. You were created to pour out this emotion and passion that God put inside of you for different people. You were created to care deeply. And how do we know this? We've said this several times. We know this because we were created in the image of God. And God is a passionate God. Look at Psalm 139, verse 17. This is God talking. And this whole chapter really is about, um, are y'all cold? I know we've got people migrating to the back. Um, it was really warm in here, and just kind of a timeout. Uh, we are working on this. We just transitioned from uh, from winter to summer right away, right? It's not even spring, and so uh, we had to turn on the heat just two Sundays ago. So if you need to move around, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Just don't walk out the doors, okay? <laughs> you can go up top if you want. Just kidding. So uh, we got everybody moving. Out. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to hurt my feelings. We were, we were created to be passionate because we were created in the image of God. Look at Psalm 139, verses 17 through 18. This is God talking about us. It says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Did you know God has an innumerable uh, amount of thoughts that he thinks about you specifically? How many of y'all knew that? That God has hundreds, thousands, even millions of thoughts about you. And the reason he does is because he cares about you. Now, I know we have people that we love, that we care about, but I guarantee you, you do not think more about that person than God thinks about you. He is passionate about you. I was speaking with a friend a while back about nursing. How many nurses do we have in here or people who work in the medical field? Few? None? Man, we need some doctors in here just in case. I was talking, I was talking to her. She was talking about the field. And, man, as she was talking about some of the things she was learning, and, and I, I just got real queasy on the inside. There's this part of my stomach that anytime I hear somebody's going through something medical and I hear blood or, man, I just, there's just like this pain that just kind of rises up in my, in my gut. And so I'm not, there, God bless you if you're passionate about that. I'm not passionate about that. I, I'm, I, at one point I wanted to be like a dentist, orthodontist, and, and when I realized you still had to like cut people open sometimes, I'm like, well, it's just not for me. And so I also, my brother, another, th- another person who's passionate is my brother. Very uh, passionate, Mark, about creating videos, creating slides. He created our T-shirts. Have y'all seen our new blue T-shirt? It's awesome, yeah. He uh, loves that stuff. I remember when I was working in the office 
several years ago, and they put me up to create the bulletin when we still had those. And, oh, sitting in front of that computer trying to figure out what this bulletin was supposed to look like was horrible. And I remember thinking, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, it, it didn't take long for, for um, my mom to realize, hey, I can make him do it, but he's going to take all week to finish it. So it's not going to be productive. And so there are people who are passionate about different things. I know I've been passionate before about, um, you know, I love to work out. I love playing golf. I've been really passionate about golf, really passionate about working out. So there are, we are created to be passionate. If you need, I would love if we had time to go around the room and ask one another, hey, what are you passionate about? And I think some of us would be surprised about the things we're passionate about. Mark Twain said, the two greatest days in your life are this, the day you were born and the day you find out why. The two greatest days, day you're born and the day you find out why. I found, I found out why I was created when I was 15 years old, and I always go back to this, and it's just my testimony. The Apostle Paul, you, you hear about his testimony several times in the New Testament. When I, was, when I went to Discovery Camp when I was 15 years old, a man spoke identity into me, and I realized for the, really for the first time that I am a son of God. And since then, I've been living out my life. It hasn't been the only thing I've been passionate about, about but I've been living out my life to discover what that means. And I, I will cut to the chase. Each of y'all were created to be passionate about God. A.W. Tozer said there are, are rare Christians whose very presence incites others to be better Christians. I want to be that rare Christian. Does anybody want to be that rare Christian this morning? Now, some say I'm passionate about my bed. How many of those people we got out there? Man, I can't wait to get home, just lay down, knock out. That's probably the laziness talking. You can, I guess, be passionate about that, but uh, it's maybe not the greatest thing. I want to be clear. We are not, we were not created to, to sit around and do nothing. And we were not created to live for things that are just self-serving. I know I, I played golf and I love golf, but I took a break for a couple months, went back out there and I realized how much time you're out there playing golf. And I'm like, man, do I, did I really give all those hours, all those days playing the sport, which is fun, but in the end, what does it benefit me? Do we got any spouses of, of, of avid golfers who can say amen to that? No, okay. We got, we got one over there. Yeah, you know, you know, what, you know the struggle. They're out there all, almost all day. It's like, come, come spend time with your family. Not talking about being, not, and it's okay to have some of these things that we love to do, but we were created to make a difference. You were created to be passionate to help somebody else. That's ultimately why God put those talents and dreams on the inside of you. Look at Genesis 12 verse 1. This is God telling Abram, later to be called Abraham, what he has in, plan, in store for him. I want you to listen carefully to these verses. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your country, where you're comfortable, and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Why? So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, again, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The reason, and I, growing up, I always wondered, God, why did you pick the Jews to be your people? How come you're going to pick the Mexicans? Amen. We have better food. We have better parties. Any mind we got any? Yeah, okay. Although I'm really like a pineapple. I'm like dark on the outside, but on the inside, it's, a, it's not as dark. Um, <laughs> you know, I, have, I, went to, I went to Richmond, Virginia, and I spent time with a friend. He's German. He was born in Germany. And he, every time we brought up that I was Hispanic and Spanish, and he's like, I just can't believe you don't speak Spanish. I'm like, man, blame my parents. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, can't, I couldn't teach myself Spanish growing up. Um, and I even told him, like, all my close friends speak Spanish. Almost all of them speak Spanish, which is crazy. I just said it's not necessary here. And, and um, necessarily necessary. And I don't know where the heck I was going with that. Oh, Jews, Mexicans. Um, <laughs> and so I always wondered why, going back to the sermon, let's get back on track. Uh, I always wondered why God picked the Jews 
was like, how come you're going to pick some other people? Why did you pick them? And I realized that the Jewish people uh, had to carry the responsibility of living for Jesus and setting the standard. They actually became a blessing to the whole world because they gave us Jesus. You know, and I, th- I was thinking about this. The, the Jews spent a lot of time in slavery in Egypt. And if you remember the story, they, uh, God took them out of, out of Egypt. He did a lot of miracles. He did ten uh, there was 10 plagues in Egypt, took them out of Egypt miraculously, brought them up to Israel, and all along the way they were complaining. And I realized this. They told uh, Moses and Joshua at one point, they said, said, how come we couldn't just stayed back in Egypt? We were fine being slaves. We were fine being under oppression, but at least we had food. At least we knew what to expect. So, you know, sometimes we could be comfortable in our bondage. And God's saying, uh-uh. I'm not going to keep you in your bondage because I have called you not only to be set free, but I've called you to set other people free. And you can't do it if you're still in bondage. You see, we were created not just to be passionate about things that are self-serving, but we were created to be passionate about Jesus so that other people can watch us, watch our way of living and thinking and follow him. We were created for that, church. We were created for that. Ultimately, we are created to be passionate about Jesus. It should be the primary focus of our life. And if you're a believer in here, God is on a mission. God is on a mission to use every facet of your life to draw you back to him. You see, man, I, and I could stay here for a while. How many of you know God cares about you? He cares about what you're going through, right? He cares about your family, cares about your job, cares about... That, that disagreement you have with your coworker, your family, whatever. But ultimately, God is more concerned about how you're going to look to him and respond to what he's saying in your life in that moment. God loves your children. I've been talking with Ashley. Ashley's daughter has been in the hospital for a while. And we've had to walk through some things and really surrender her back to the Lord. And, and Ashley's a great mom, a great Christian. But you see... it. As we continue to grow in the Lord, there are still some things that the Lord has to chip away at our life. And I'm the first to say that the Lord brought tremendous revelation to me. Just the past few weeks, I'm like, almost like I was like a new believer again. Like, God, how did I understand that? And so the issue is not what you're going through. It's are you going to turn to the Lord? That's the issue. Matthew chapter, Matthew, uh, believe chapter, chapter five, chapter six. He says, I know, he said, Jesus is, is talking in the parables and he said, he said, look at, the, look at the birds of the air. They don't worry where their next meal is going to come from. Look at the field. It doesn't, it doesn't worry how it's going to clothe itself with, with grass. He said, how much, how much uh, uh, more worth, worth it to me are you than they? He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's going a different direction. But it's, it could be very, it's very easy for us to focus on, on what is in front of us instead of on him. But if you can just focus on him, take your attention off what is going on. God cares and he's going to work it out. God is a miracle working God. He can fix that thing like that. But you know what he can't force? He can't force you to give him your heart. He can't work, he can't work with somebody who's stubborn with our heart. But as soon as we surrender our heart to him and our passion to him and our desires... He's like, man, that's just what I was waiting on. Hey, let me take care of that. Let me take care of this. He will do it. And I've seen it done over and over and over again. The Bible makes clear, makes it clear that not only are we to make him our number one priority or desire or passion, not only are we to make him that, but he actually can consume our passions. He can consume our passions because he is a person. I've grown up in church, different, I've gone to different uh, churches, different services, but many Christians believe that God is simply God, only a person or a deity entity that is far away, that is simply just to be paid homage or honored to, but they don't believe that he is a person you can fall in love with. I'm here to challenge you this morning. You can fall in love with Jesus. You can fall in love, and I know that may be a foreign concept, but the way you fall in love with a, 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 your spouse or your child or a friend, you can fall in love with Jesus like that. Look at Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Many of us know this passage very well. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Look what he commands. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. The way that we love other people with all of our heart, all of our soul and with all of our might. 
And then he says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them to your children. So talk of them when you sit in your house, when you're walking around from work to school. Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. Verse 9, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And you need to remind yourself everywhere you go of this relationship that you have with him. And I remember thinking through this passage and I thought, how is it possible for God to command us to love him? Right? Imagine your spouse saying, hey, I'm commanding you. You are to love me and I need, I need I'm hungry right now. I need a sandwich. <laughs> how can God command that? Right? I, I used to have an issue with this growing up. I'm like, God, I thought, you know, love is, you got to feel that for somebody. It's got to, you got to be attractive, attracted to them. They, they got to be attractive, all, all this. And, and I realized as, as, I've, as I've gotten older and learned what love is, love is actually church. It's an emotion, but it's first a choice. The reason that God can command us to love him, because at the end of the day, after you've been married several years and you don't necessarily like the way they act or they look, you still have to wake up in the morning and decide, am I still going to love them and keep that marriage covenant that I made with them several years ago? At the end of the day, it's still a choice. God can command us to love him because it is first a choice. What does the word say? Love your enemies. How, much, how, how, much, how many times do we ever feel like loving those who don't love us back? Never. But God still commands it. Because at the end of the day, love is a choice. All of your heart, all of your soul, all of your might. I remember several years ago, I was in a prayer circle. And I was like 17, 18. And I had another friend who was like 20. And we had been praying a lot. We had been fasting a lot. And we, pro we were probably obnoxious. But we loved the Lord. And I remember we were in a prayer circle. And they were, having, they were, they were praying and me and him were just kind of like feeding off of each other and just repeating some of the things that Laura has spoken to us. And I remember a lady came up to us afterwards and she said, she said, man, I want to love God like you. I want to love God like you. You see, our relationship provided evidence that a love for God could be real. The church, the world is waiting for you to display that love for him. Did you know, and I say this a lot because it's true, and I want to always keep this in front of me. One day we're going to stand before the Lord. And the Lord's going to say, hey, you know that job that is giving you heck right now? Your manager's doing that. Your manager is treating you unfairly. Your coworkers are talking about you behind your back. Did you know I placed you there? So that you could be a light, so they could see that there's a real God. It's okay. We talked about this last week. Last week was Resurrection Sunday, Easter. Jesus carried a cross so that the whole world could be saved. We too carry a cross so that the people around us can be saved. Psalm 27, verse 4, I just want to read a few verses that talk about this passion and relationship with Jesus. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He said, one thing have I asked. This was, was, this was David. He had his kingdom at his disposal. He said, the one thing I ask, to dwell in his house. Psalm 16, verse 2, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. He said, I don't have anything good apart from you, Jesus. Did you know you can get to that point where you can say, God, I, I'm so thankful for the things you've given to me. But in comparison to you, I have nothing good. I have nothing good. Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. We can get to that point where there's nothing on this earth that we desire more than Jesus. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 135, verse 6. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. In his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. We were created to fall in love with him and be passionate about him. Now, how can you tell what you're most passionate about? I want to take a quick test. Quick, this is a quick test, and it'll tell you what you're most passionate about. What have you spent most of your time thinking about just this morning? 
this weekend, this past week, what have you spent most of your time thinking about? Did you know you can be passionate about your problems? Now, you can, you, you can say, well, I'm passionate, to, I'm passionate to figure out solutions for my problems. But no, in reality, you're passionate about your problems. What you think about most of the day is what you're most passionate about. And that's the, that's the truth. That is the truth. Because what you think about, you talk about. Right? We have those people who talk incessantly about their problems. And you're like, yeah, we know what you're thinking about all day long. What you think about is what you talk about. And what you talk about is what you eventually act out. And what you act out after so many times of acting out a certain thing, you figure out what you're interested in, what you're all about. You know, you only do what you want to do. I, I remember when I was in college, I was, I was studying and preparing, and, and preparing um, papers and, and all these things. And, and I thought, man, I don't want to go to school anymore. Like, I just don't want to do it, right? How many any, any students here? I just don't want to go to school, right? And then I thought, well, what am I going to do if I, I'm not in school? And, and I'm like, well, I guess I can hang out at the house, go play golf, right? I love golf. But then I thought, I got to pay for golf, right? I got to pay for these things that I want to do. And then I realized that the only way to achieve some of the things I want to do is I have to go to school so I can get a good job and get in the profession I want to be in and, you know, have a, a, a livelihood, right? All of us, if, if we're mature in here, we've done that. So that's a, I just wanted to share that as a quick example that you do what you want to do. You do what you want to do. We can't say, well, I don't have time for Jesus. No, you do what you want to do. You think about what you want to think about. If Jesus is important to you, you'll make time for him. You'll make time to get in his word, to spend several minutes in prayer. You know what else we're passionate about? Our job. We are passionate about our job. You may hate your job, but... You're passionate about because you go, because you need that paycheck, because you need to provide for your family. So there's all these passions, but you do what you want to do. I just want to put that challenge out there that we can choose to live for the Lord and begin to trust him or we don't. And we're all at different levels, and I know this is a, I, I'm, I'm that type of, of, of pastor, speaker. That I love to challenge because that's how it speaks to me. But I, I just want to encourage you, you can get there. You can get there. And I've learned after living for the Lord for a while that, that God's love for me is much bigger than my disappointments and my failures. So if you're in this place where you're like, man, I just, I haven't, I haven't been living for, I've been trying to live for the Lord, but things have been getting in the way. Get up. Get up. He's there. His grace is enough. You can have a passionate relationship for the Lord. I was talking with uh, Miss Roxanne this past Friday. Friday. And... She shared this, this story that she heard from Pastor Chris Hodges, who's a pastor in, in Alabama. And this story fits right in line, which is, it, even how we're talking about this this morning, the Lord, just crazy, like he put it on my heart and then there's some other confirmation. So this story was just more of that. And she was telling me how this, how Pastor Chris, uh, when he was in Louisiana, he was at another church and uh, this is before small groups were really popular here in the United States. And so they had heard that there was this church in Columbia that had had 100,000 people in small groups. 100,000 people. That's a little smaller than the size of Odessa. All in small groups. And they thought, okay, small groups are really important. And just a little side note, small groups are really important. If you haven't joined one, uh, you can sign up at uh, Kingdom Central outside. And so he sent Pastor Chris out there to Columbia, and, and he goes, he goes with this interpreter, and uh, Pastor Chris is, is asking this guy who's in charge of the small groups about how they're doing it and this and that. And then he asks this guy this question. He said, um, so he, how long are your small groups? And the guy interpreted it in Spanish to, to the guy in Colombia. And the guy in Colombia got really upset. He didn't understand what he was saying. He went off for several minutes. And he's like, oh, man, this guy's angry. So they, started, they kept talking about other things. He decided to, visit, he decided to come back to, uh, to that question because he's trying to figure out how they can implement this here uh, in the United States. And so he asked him, how long do your small groups go? Like, how, you know, I, I know it's kind of a sensitive question maybe, but how long do they go? He said, again. 
he was really upset. He started going in Spanish. You know, they talk a little bit faster down there. And so he's just, he's just rattling off whatever. And then finally, uh, the guy tells Pastor Chris, he says, he says, it's not, a, he said, small groups is not about time. It's a spiritual thing. He said, we've learned to defeat the devil. And we don't put a time limit on that. He said, our youth just got off a 40-day water-only fast because we are passionate about knowing the Lord and being set free. You know, church, why most of us are in bondage is because we're not passionate enough yet about the Lord. He said, this is a spiritual thing. And, I, when, and, when I, and I, honestly, we came, off of, we came off of Easter and we had a great Easter service. I know a lot of us came. We had a great turnout, great Easter egg hunt. And, I, and last week, I was just really, like, appreciating when God, and I was feeling good about myself. When Roxanne shared that story with me, I'm like, whoa, I got a ways to go. And church, we each got a ways to go. I just want to reiterate this last part. He said, we've learned to defeat the devil. I don't know about you, but I want to live with my bondages. I don't want to live with the things that are holding me down. And if we're going to defeat the enemy... We have to learn to prioritize some things in our life and prioritize the Lord. So I'm going to end with, this, with, with these verses. But Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2. Last week, uh, last couple weeks, I was struggling with some things. And I was processing, I was processing um, just some things. And honestly, I was struggling. And, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but I was just like, God, man, I just don't like the situation. I wish I could change it. I wish things were different, this and that. And in my spirit, I felt like the Lord said, run, start running. And I realized that I was sitting down, I realized I was sitting down in the middle of my problems, just dwelling there. And God said, you need to keep moving. He said, he said, you can't change the past. You can't, right, we can't change the past, but a lot of times we dwell in the past thinking that we can, you can't change the past. And more times than not, you can't change anything about the present either. And Jesus said, you need to keep running. You need to keep going. You need to get out of that situation and trust that I have a plan for your life. There's a famous, there's a famous quote by uh, Winston Churchill that says, if you're going through hell, keep going. Why are you stopping? Why are you stopping to, uh, to, to observe everything bad that's happening to you? Jesus said, keep running. I got a plan for you. I know it's hard. I know you don't understand why this is going on in your life right now, but keep going. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2, and I shared part of this last week. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, two things, come back to that in a second, which cling so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How are we doing that? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so this is what this series is going to be about. If we're going to learn, if we're going to run the race that God has for us, if we're going to learn to run after the Lord and pursue him, there are some things that we need to let go of. And, he, and Paul listed two things, sin and weight. And just real briefly, we know what sin is, right? Sin is anything in the word that God says don't do. And so it's pretty, pretty self-explanatory. But there are also what the word calls weights. What are weights? Have you all ever uh, done weight training with weight? Right? Running, jumping. I remember when I was a kid, when I, was a kid I, I really wanted to dunk. Like I really wanted to dunk. And I, and I found on the internet these, these uh, weights that went around your calves. And I wore those for like a, like a whole day. <laughs> and I don't think I saw them again because I wanted to jump. But it's hard. To, and I think I let, the reason I, and there was a purpose for that, but the reason I, I stopped wearing it, I was like, man, this is too hard. If I'm going to, I, I valued playing basketball and doing that, but I valued like enjoying walking. And so, <laughs> right, I'm like, ah, this is hard. The word says that if we're going to run, and I couldn't even imagine trying to run with those suckers on. I wouldn't go, go very far. Be able to jump after that, but I wouldn't be able to run very far. Um, that's supposed to be funny. And Paul says there are weights that hold us down. Weights that keep us from running the race that we are supposed to run. 
They are distractions. And actually, weights can eventually become sin. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23 says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Basically, this is what it says. He says, Paul's saying, I have, Jesus, Jesus died so that we can have this freedom to live for him. Right? We can, we can do almost, almost anything, but not just anything is good for us. You know, I haven't said this publicly from the platform, but um, I know in, in older generations, drinking was seen as a sin. Right? You shouldn't drink. It's bad. I personally don't have a problem with it. I, I don't. I don't drink really at all, um, but I don't think it's a sin. It becomes a sin when it preoccupies your time and you're turning to it to meet a need that only Jesus is supposed to meet. So he says, all things are good, but not all, he says, all things are lawful. You are permitted to do anything, but not all things are helpful. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. Because that thing is not going to help you run the race that I've called you to run. Did you know there are some things that I can do that you can't do? And there are some things you can do that I can't do. Because we're all at different walks with the Lord. It's just like, um, well, let me say this. And, I, and, I've, and I've learned this. When, the things you can and can't do hinges on how well you know Jesus, a.k.a. how mature you are. The things you can and can't do, it's just kind of like children. We have kids who, uh, I have, I have uh, some good friends or daughters who, who um, they, 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 I said, you can't grow up anymore. I said, I don't want you to grow up anymore. And they said, no, I want to grow up. I said, why do you want to grow up? He's like, because I want a phone. And they're like six, seven years old, right? And uh, some of, I'm not, not going to touch that, but some of us are getting phones at that age, which there's freedom to do everything. You just got to be wise. Um, but just because we, we want to do things or have the ability doesn't mean we should. Doesn't mean we should. I believe it hinges on how much we know Jesus. And the Lord just spoke this very kind of sternly to me a while back. But, he's, but maybe one of the reasons God isn't blessing you in an area of your life is because you can't handle it. You know, there are, I've had uh, certain people kind of criticize some of the things the Lord has blessed me personally with. And just speaking quite frankly and honestly, some of the, the reason why some of them can enjoy some of the things I have is because they, they, can't, they haven't gone through what I've gone through. They can't handle it the way I can. On the same token, I have looked at some things that other people have, and I've had to be really honest with myself and say, okay, I know there's timing for everything, but maybe I'm not mature enough. Maybe I am not a place where I can steward that blessing yet. And so the Lord is having me going through this process of refinement and patience. This is just, just an honest conversation. Maybe we can't handle some of these things because we're not at a place of maturity where God can trust us with those things. I had, I had, I prayed with a, with a lady a while back and quite honestly, I had, hadn't seen them at church very much, but the, uh, um, was going through something, prayed with them. God really spoke to them and, and, and they were, it was, it was a, it was a job situation and they were praying about it and. And I said, hey, God has a plan, and, and, I, and God worked it out, but haven't seen them since. Not saying, not, not, I'm not, not saying that's a reflection that they don't want to come. Maybe something happened, but more times than not, when you want to do something, you'll do it. You'll do it. If you love the Lord, you may not wake up in the morning to pray or read your word, but if you want to do it, eventually you'll do it, and you'll, get, you'll create a habit and consistency, and you'll eventually get there. Is that okay? Is that okay to say? I, I know that that's, that's kind of straight, but I want what God has for me. And if we're going to run this race, if we're going to run this race, we have to let go of those things that are holding us down. Why? So that we get, can get to where God is taking us. You see, if you run your race in your way, you get your reward. But if you run his race, you get his reward. You get his reward. And I believe, and I just want to end with this. The Lord is wanting us to let go of these things that are holding us back. These weights and even sin is because he has something so much better in store for us. I've learned that time and time again. Question God. So, so many times, God, why is this happening? And God, I wish it happened this way. And as time has passed, I realized, God, thank you. Thank God that didn't happen my way. Because it wouldn't have been as great as what you have for me right now.
So church, what do you need to let go of this morning to run the race that God has planned for? We're going to be going through uh, some, some topics the next uh, several weeks. We're going to just be honest, Lord, what is keeping me from running this race, running the race you have planned for me? If you could just stand, we're going to pray and uh, we're going to give an altar call because I believe that some of us need to lay down some things at the altar this morning. And I want to say this, I know all of us at certain points, we're in a waiting season, in a patient season. And, I, and if you're in that season right now, this is a word for you. If you're in a season of waiting and it's not looking like what, what you want it to, don't stop waiting. Don't stop waiting. God is coming. Don't shortcut the process. I think a lot of us abort the dreams and destinies that God has for us because we're tired of waiting. Don't shortcut the process. God has a plan, and you will get there. But if we stop waiting, we stop trusting him, then it's going to take a lot longer to get there than it should. If you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We say you're a good God. And we want to run effectively the race, the path, the journey that you have mapped out for us. And Father, right now, I pray that you begin to speak to each person who is in here. And I pray that you would highlight in their heart that area that they, that area where they are holding on to sin or weight. And Father, I pray that this morning that they would have the courage to lay it down at your feet and say, God, I don't want to let go of this. I want control. I like this lifestyle. But God, I'm trusting that what you have planned for me is better than what I have planned for myself. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? If, if, if you feel like, man, you're, you're talking, you're talking to me. Would you just raise your hand? invite you to come down in just a second, but before I do that, I want to just, I want to pray. I know there are, there, are, there are always maybe somebody in here who doesn't know the Lord. Maybe you've never heard about passion for Jesus, having a relationship with Him, but you want to, you feel the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart to know Him, and to maybe to begin to walk this walk, or maybe you haven't been walking with the Lord for a while. And, and you feel the Lord is calling you back, lovingly calling you back. If you're in any, either of those categories, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you. And I just don't want to pray with you. I want you to pray. We usually repeat a prayer, but I want you to pray it from your heart. And if you pray it from your heart, God hears. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you did over the weekend. It doesn't matter what you did all last year. God loves you. His love is so great. I used to think that was a, like, oh yeah, God loves, until I experienced his love. And I thought, no, he really does see us that way. He really does look at us with anticipation. I'm waiting for my son to come back. I'm ready for that person, that man, that woman to join my family. He really does look at us that way. And these aren't cheap words. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. And he wants you in his family. And if you're part of his family and you haven't been, been, been around him or been living with his family or being a, uh, involved, God wants you to get a little closer. He wants you to fall more in love with him and fall more in love with one another. So if that's you, if you're in those categories, would you just repeat this prayer after me? Say, dear Jesus, I need you. Would you please forgive me of all of my sins, the things I've said, the things I've thought, the things I've done that are evil in your sight. I confess you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for including me in your family this morning. If you said that prayer, I want you just to raise your hands and just begin to thank Jesus 
for doing that for you. This is a powerful thing that happens when you pray this, when you begin to thank him. Father, we just thank you, God, for forgiving us. We thank you for including us in your family. You are a good God. You're faithful. Even though I'm faithless, you are faithful. He is faithful. Teach me to be faithful back to you the way that you are faithful to me. Help me to be that faithful son, that faithful daughter, that faithful spouse that you can be proud of. And he is proud of us, church. I don't want you to get that, get that confused. He's proud of you. But we can be even more pleasing to him. Just take a second. I feel like we just need to just pray into that. The Holy Spirit is moving. Just begin to thank him. God, thank you for making me your son. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I know several of y'all raised your hands about there being sin or weight in your life that you need to let go of so you can run this race. So that you can love him more and more. There are always things that are competing for our love. It's like any relationship. You can love somebody, your love can grow, it can, it can fade. There are things that are competing for God's love in your life. But there are things in my life that I consistently have to deal with. Say, God, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let that compete. It doesn't deserve to compete with the love that I have for you. If there are some things in your life that you need to let go of, and you raise your hand, I'm gonna invite you just to come down to the front. I know there are several. Don't be scared, don't be afraid, we're all in the same boat. If I was sitting down there, I'd walk up. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that some of y'all, you're going to find the, the walk and the race that you are called on, and it's going to be easier. It's going to be a lot easier because you're letting go of weight that has been keeping you down. And like I said, the next several weeks, we're going to talk specifically about several things. But the, I know the Lord is speaking directly this morning. And I want to just give you courage. You may say, I have never lived without this weight before. I've never lived without it. I don't even know how I would even function without it. The Lord wants to show you this morning that he is enough. He will literally replace those things. And how you leaned on those weights and sins before, you're going to lean on him. But it's going to be a whole lot better. If you're in the front, would you just raise your hands and say, dear Jesus, I surrender all weight, all sin to you this morning in Jesus' name. And would you just say under your breath that I want you to say out loud that thing that you're surrendering to him. There's power when you vocalize it. God, I surrender my kids. I surrender my job. I surrender my ability to provide for myself. I surrender pride. I surrender bitterness. I surrender anger. I lay at your feet. I think there's someone in here who's been living with bitterness for a long time. And you've lived it with it so long, it's become a crutch. And you're like, I don't even know how I can function without being bitter about this situation. The Lord is wanting to set you free this morning. Say, God, I just surrender the bitterness to you. Forgive. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. If you feel lighter, I want you to raise your hand a little higher. After praying that, if you feel lighter, that's the Lord taking those weights and sin off of you this morning. I want you to thank him. If you feel like something has changed in your spirit, in your soul, I want you to thank the Lord. I want you to thank him. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, God, for helping us to run this race. Thank you, God, for not forsaking us, for not leaving us in our sin, in our mess, in the mud, in this horrible place that 
we probably put ourselves. God, thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for rescuing us, God. Thank you for taking that weight and that sin that has held us down. Father, you are enough. You are enough. You are enough, God. You are enough to help me run this race with endurance. You've called us to run with endurance. You provide the endurance, Jesus. You provide it, and we look to you. We say that you're enough, Jesus. Would you open our eyes, Father, to the reality, God, that you are always with us. You are for us. You are walking with us. You are assisting us, God. You're in us. There is no one like you, God. We give you the glory and honor this morning, God, because you deserve it. You deserve it all, Jesus. You deserve it all. You deserve it all, Jesus. You deserve it all. Church, we're going to sing one more song. And I, I want to invite you, if you're up front, stay up here. And I want you to, pray, to thank him and praise him for all the glory and honor that he deserves. Because he deserves it. Because he deserves it. There is power. I believe even more chains are going to be broken off this morning if you just thank him and honor him. Can we do that this morning? Can we do that this morning? Father, we just love you. In Jesus' name. Me now in the hands I created the heavens. Find me now where the grace runs deep as your scar. Pull me from the clay, set me on a rock, call me by your name, made my heart whole again, lifted up, and my knees know it's all for your glory, I might stand. Reasons to sing than to fear. Pull me from the place. Set me on a rock. Call me by your name. Made my heart whole again. Here I stand. High and surrender.
chains are now. Look where our chains are now. Look where our chains are now. Hey. Look how far you've brought us, Lord. How far your grace and mercy have brought us. So here I stand. I and surrender I need you now Hold my heart now and forever my soul cries out Let's sing it out Here I stand high and surrender I need you now Hold my heart now and forever my soul Rise out, come on, lift your voice and sing it. Here I stand. For Jesus just one more time in this place. He is so good, isn't he? So good. Thank you, worship team. You guys are so great. Today's message really touched me, and I'm so thankful for that. But you guys are dismissed to go. We hope you have a great week. We want to see you tonight at Kingdom Night. It's at 6. Don't forget, and if it's your first time here, we would love to see you and meet you out at Guest Central. You guys have a great Sunday.